0: This Pile America's podcast is part of a three-episode series on raising awareness to address the fake news challenge. Ms. Kiran Maharaj is the president of the Media Institute of the Caribbean and vice president of the Trinidad and Tobago Publishers and Broadcasters Association. During her presentation, titled Fake News and the Future of Journalism, Looking Through the Caribbean Window, Ms. Maharaj shares insights on the challenges the new media ecosystem poses for traditional journalism in the Caribbean. The presentation also addresses innovative responses to deal with the fake news phenomenon, proposing the adoption of an approach of creative disruption in communications and media. This presentation was recorded during the 14th Plenary Assembly of Parlamerica's Parliamentary Actions to Promote Responsible Political Discourse, held in Medellin, Colombia on November 16th and 17th of 2017. Good afternoon, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'll share the story with you. You all know the story of Chicken Little, Yes. So there were two images. One was Chicken Little dressed in his barnyard clothes, very boring. And that's our traditional storyteller with the fake news, the sky is falling. And then the next one is Chicken Little, the Kardashian Chicken Little is what I call him, because now he has social media access. But I was given instructions, 8 to 10 slides, so I had to remove it. But I wanted you guys to understand that, put that in your minds, because that's where we are going. So Media Institute of the Caribbean was started two and a half years ago. We are headquartered in Jamaica to provide training for journalists in the Caribbean region. Um, And not just practitioners who are practicing right now, but also media managers and owners. Okay, so this social media era is one of empowerment. That's what it is. We all know uh, the philosopher Descartes. He said, you know, I think and so I am. But now the world is a stage and everybody can say, here I am. This is who I am. And so Maslow's theory of that hierarchy of needs, self-actualization has been fulfilled and everybody is now an expert. So this is what happens with our news systems now. We have our journalists in the center. And they feed the information, and it's picked up by blogs, communities. We have indices that are generated. There's feedback. There's what you call grassroots reporting. Um, And then we get more leads, and the sources of information goes on and on. What happens, though, is that fake news starts to filter in. So I'll give you a very quick example of this in the Caribbean. When uh, the hurricanes passed through, um, I was safe at home. Trinidad was all well and good. And I started to get calls from friends and colleagues I did not hear from in ages. The reason being that Fox News uh, News and CNN News carried stories saying that millions have been displaced from their homes in the Caribbean. The Caribbean is now devastated. (coughs) And that was not true because Trinidad was untouched, Barbados was untouched, we had some rain and flooding, Jamaica was untouched, but the idea being... Uh, propagated out there is that we're gone. Our economies are bad. There's no more tourism. Crops are gone. People have no homes. One friend called me and said, are you in your home? Do you have a home anymore? The answer is yes. But all of that is part of the fake news um, era. There was another story when uh, President Trump just uh, took his presidency that was circulating in Trinidad that Our visas were now banned. And that caused quite a a mayhem in Trinidad and Tobago. And so the U.S. Embassy, um, you know, had to issue statements, but it was everywhere. And even the business community thought it was true because of the way it was being put out in the public domain. So we have to understand uh, the cult here. I don't know what it's like in Latin America, but I can tell you in the Caribbean, um, we a very much part of the oral tradition. It's alive and well and has always been. A story will start in a village or a community that somebody stole a mango off of the neighbor's tree and by the time it gets to the third street, somebody cut down the mango tree. So you have to understand that this is the the community we live in. Now that kind of information is being spread on things like WhatsApp. Twitter is not very popular in Trinidad. I don't think throughout the Caribbean it's very popular, but what I can tell you is WhatsApp is very popular, hugely popular. Is that the same in your countries? Yes. So, Facebook even. If you are below the age of 30, Facebook is no more. I have an 18-year-old son. And when I said, do you have a Facebook account? What is that, mommy? Do I look ancient? (laughs) No, it's now Instagram. So we have to understand that we have to keep up with the trends. What we're really trying to do is attempting to change the the mentality of at least two generations. And the third one is coming up. So we have to be innovative and be transformative. I like to say we have to be creative disruptors. Because if we don't, then we're going to be left behind and we're going to have a global crisis with the fake news that is being propagated. So... Um, having worn many hats, not just as a media owner, but you know, talking to people in chambers of commerce, debates commission, um, people who serve our country like yourselves, there are a few things we need to do. We have to have better equipped newsrooms because at the end of the day, no matter what happens on WhatsApp or on Facebook or anywhere else, when some member of the public really wants the truth, TV stations, radio stations, and newspapers, our newsrooms still get the phone calls. So we have to have better equipped newsrooms. We have to have better investigative reporting. We have to be more responsive within strict time frames. We have to have our governments realize that we need their help. And so freedom of information, legislation, and policies alongside legislation that can impinge upon the practice of investigative journalism. Those things have to be looked at. There should be nothing impinging upon the practice of investigative journalism. And so we have things like the data protection at some of our countries, I think within the, the 35 here, um, I think that some of them still do not have um, that clause that excludes journalists um, from being uh, punished. I know in the UK, they just lifted that Um, altogether. But I know even in Trinidad and Tobago, that's something that we are still fighting. Cybercrime bill has to be looked at. Um, Criminal defamation laws, whistleblower legislation, all of these things. We have to understand the psychographics of the demographics. We live in an era where being glamorous and famous is measured by our fan base, or how many likes we have. Real news has to be provocative and sexy. It just has to be because if we want to play on that same playing field as where the fake news and the fake news protagonists uh, live, then we have to understand their mentality and probably adopt it in a way. We need to distribute real news in that same cyberspace community or perhaps have real news ambassadors. I don't know, maybe J-Lo or J Balvin or Enrique Iglesias or Beyonce, maybe they should be ambassadors, global ambassadors for finding the truth. We have to be part of the digital economy where we give digital money for arresting fake news stories and so we also give rewards for sharing real news. Those are the things that matter to this young population. We should be giving cash rewards for real news video that debunks the fake news videos. Um, and there's a movie called Shattered Glass. Um, I've had the pleasure of interacting with Adam Pennenberg who broke that story um, but I encourage all of you to look at it. The next slide um, are questions that I think we need to constantly ask ourselves. The policy is great, but is it rigorous enough to achieve the goals? So if if legislation such as criminal defamation laws still exist in your country, you have to ask how committed are you or how committed is your country in really fighting fake news and standing by the good work of our journalists. Is there an implementation strategy that arrests the attention of the most susceptible target audiences? Is the policy guided by the same distribution and viral strategy of fake news itself? Is there a rapid response approach? Should there be one? Why is Macedonia a hub? Can the youth there be employed to fight fake news almost as a Crime Stoppers type initiative? Um, Do your countries have Crime Stoppers? Show of hands. Yes. so can we adopt that kind of, of initiative? Because remember, after the classroom and the libraries, what happens when these young people, or what happens when the population steps outside of their doors where we've just had these conversations with them? It becomes a psychological battle that is really fueled by money. The vicious circle effect is that Generation Y, Z, and the upcoming generation is already growing or grown up with the internet as parents. And if this continues, then fake news becomes real news by perception and we cannot change it. Um, I say this repeatedly. I despise parents who shut up their toddlers by giving them an iPad or an iPhone. We no longer have an era of teenagers, we have an era of screenagers. Everything happens on their mobile app screen. So we have to understand that this is not an approach where we can just sit in a room and make a decision. There has to be multiple facets and aspects to this approach. There's a big social aspect to how we deal with this problem. So I've tried to to draw a little map here. Um, It was very interesting for me to go to the UNESCO Media Literacy Conference because UNESCO had so many initiatives that I was not aware of that my colleagues in the Caribbean as media owners and practitioners were not aware of. And even the work that Pal Americas is doing. You all are doing such great work that I had no knowledge about until I was asked to be here. And I really hope that out of this um, our media houses will become more involved and more enlightened. But UNESCO has been working a lot with schools and libraries and governments. I don't know if they're working with the right types of governments um, or, or the right wings of government, but I wanted to just share with you something that Walter Lippmann said. I do not agree with everything Lippmann says, but he did introduce this idea. If at the centers of management there is a running audit, which makes work intelligible to those who do it and those who superintend it, issues when they arise are not the mere collisions of the blind then the news is uncovered for the press or media by a system of intelligence that is also a check upon the press or media. And I think that that has become more relevant for us. So what I'm suggesting is that, We work with an organization like UNESCO, that there is a strong MIL implementation strategy team on a local, regional, and global level, that we have brand ambassadors to help push our messages, and that we feed our information back to our social media partners, whether it be Facebook, Google, there may be many others. And we continue to... Well, we don't continue. We have not been using traditional media partners, and that's something that we really have to do. We have to remember at the end of the day, traditional media, they do have digital platforms. You have radio stations who have as many as 250,000 subscribers, and sometimes the figures are much higher than that. So to me, when I look at all of this, it reminds me of uh, an alien invasion. That's how I see fake news in my head. The whole world will have to come together at some point to fight what is in the best interest of humanity, and I think that fight starts with all of us getting together and realizing we're not all building separate bridges. It's one bridge and we need to work together collaboratively. Thank you.